0: Hello friends and welcome to another what is sure to be life-changing episode of Whips Whatever Happened To as we take a look at a rock band which was one of the biggest in the world for a little while until it just kind of went poof largely because of their own doing and specifically their undoing at a concert that they played right here at the all-state arena in rosemont and to get ourselves into the right mindset here i want to set our brains back to the year 2002 that's where we are that was the year that american idol made its debut launching the career of ryan seacrest and the career of the winner of season one who became one of the biggest stars in the world and still is. In fact, she's stronger than ever. Kelly Clarkson, Uh, the guy she beat in the season finale, Justin Guarini yeah his career uh, not so strong at this point maybe he'll be on a future episode 2002 was also the year that the 19th winter olympic games were held in salt lake city utah as american sarah hughes became a household name for a little bit by winning the gold medal in ladies singles figure skating other highlights included canada knocking off the united states in both men's and women's ice hockey and by the way it was later revealed somebody had placed a canadian dollar inside the ice they had it embedded in the ice for good luck rumor has it it was courtesy of hockey legend wayne gretzky and the closing ceremonies of those games featured performances by artists like kiss gloria estefan sting bon jovi willie nelson the dixie chicks who were still called the dixie chicks at that time and one of the top american rock bands of the era a four-piece band out of Tallahassee, Florida, named Creed, or as I used to say when I played them on rock radio back then, Creed. So that performance at the Olympics for Creed happened in February, and it was emblematic of the fact that Creed was up in the top echelon of musicians in this country, and the gig had to be one of the highlights of Creed's career, as it would have been for any artist. And by December of 02, Creed was still riding the wave, until the night of December 29th, 2002. That's when they played a sold-out gig at the Allstate Arena, and to put it mildly, it was not a good show. And I was there. Okay, no, I totally wasn't there, but I really wish I had been. But I will say this. This is true. I knew something really weird was up when the next morning we kept getting calls at our radio station where I was working on the morning show. Did you hear about the Creed concert? Did you hear about what happened at the Creed show? Normally, the only concert phone calls you get are from people saying that such and such an artist or such and such a band was really, really great. And they were awesome and they rocked and I loved it. It was the time of my life. You rarely, if ever, get calls saying that some band that you paid to see sucked. But that day, we got tons of calls about what people were calling a creed disaster. This was before social media, definitely before Facebook, before Instagram. Twitter wasn't even a gleam in Silicon Valley's eye at that point. So we were relying on descriptions from our callers, and what they said was flat-out bizarre. Worst, most lifeless and boring concert I've ever heard. Scott Stapp must have been on something is for a few of the songs, he forgot some of the lyrics and kind of just gibberished off-tempo here and there. I swear if you would have listened to their CD, it would have sounded a thousand
1: times better in a busted one-speaker boombox compared to the crap they gave their audience. Um, We got there, and the show started out kind of weird. Like, Scott Stapp came out and started to sing, and we knew something wasn't right, so we didn't know if he just had a cold or he wasn't feeling well. Well, he walked off the stage for a little while, and the group continued to play and then the next thing we know he comes out and he's laying on the stage trying to sing a song and Mark Tremonti kept looking over at the other members of the band like what is going on we have no idea so the crowd tried to sing the songs with them and it was just uh, just pure awfulness i felt so bad this was my first creed and very last creed experience i even wrote them on their website and actually got a response and they had the audacity to quote themselves to the rolling stones it's only rock and roll to which i rebutted the rolling stones were three times your age done way more drugs than you and still performed better than you we were in the front row we're in the front row for this concert I mean like I uh, again this was 20 years ago I feel like we waited almost an hour before they got on stage and like you could just kind of hear staff was having a real hard time with the pace of things and we we're like that's that's a little off and then it becomes very apparent that like dude is not okay like homeboy is uh grabbing the mic stand stumbling backwards st- stopping singing wobbling around the tone in the stadium kind of shifts from like full on rock out to like everyone looking around like y'all see this right like is this is this normal i don't think this is normal i think he maybe makes it through like one or two songs and then just leaves stage entirely just leaves like in the, and, but not like i got to go guys like in the middle of the second or third song, he just walks off, and the band keeps playing. And he like, just tries to join back in the middle of a song, and it's kind of like, oh, cool, we don't actually think we need you here anymore for this, because the band was going to trudge through. There was a shift where like everyone was like, okay, cool, these guys are trying to play, so like go these guys. And then every time Scott Sapp would open his mouth, everyone was like, no we're good. Scott Stapp definitely fell asleep on stage. They cut the show short. It was a train wreck.
0: So online accounts from that time confirm all those descriptions as some fans say they knew Stapp was either drunk or high or maybe very sick. Some fans even said they were concerned for his health and hoped he would go get help. A lot of them, though, expressed anger. They thought they got ripped off. But what seemed to be a universal thought was that it was one of the worst concerts by any band that anyone could remember. And here as we sit here in 2020... That show you can look back on and call it infamous. The official response from the band's management to fans a few weeks later was almost comical. The statement offered an apology, quote, if you feel the show was not up to the very high standards that Creed had established at its previous shows in Chicago, unquote. It went on to say that the band understands there was some concern about Scott's health, but they wanted to reassure everybody he's doing very well and resting up at home in Orlando after a long and rigorous touring year. And then the comical part. The statement actually said, quote, for now, we hope you can take some solace in the fact that you definitely experienced the most unique of all Creed shows and may have become part of the unusual world of rock and roll history. End of quote. Well, that might have satisfied some fans who were at the show, but certainly not all of them, because that night at the Allstate Arena achieved extra legendary status when a group of fans hired an attorney and sued the band, asking for the price of their tickets and parking back, saying Stapp's inability to perform was the same as if the band had just canceled the show. Now, a judge disagreed, saying that for him to make such a decision would amount to turning judges into rock critics, which which is not part of the job. That's probably a good thing. The fans, though, did not win the case. For Creed, though, the damage was done. And by the way, I am sure that right now you have paused this podcast and you are headed over to YouTube to try to find footage from that gig. And as best I can tell, none really seems to be out there. So at the time, again, we're back in 2002, cameras on phones were extremely rare and new technology. Some reports do say, though, that some footage has surfaced over the years from somebody, but it's been removed immediately once it was posted. So the best we can do is look at a still shot or two that are online. Meanwhile, by the way, if you have any footage, oh, my God, would we love to see that. Please send that to us. And I swear you have my word I will not tell anyone. So, in effect, that disaster was kind of the beginning of the end for one of the biggest artists of what came to be known as the post-grunge era of the late 90s and early 2000s. They had originally formed back in the mid-90s when high school friends Scott Stapp and Mark Tremonti, a singer and guitarist respectively, got together they started writing songs together they eventually recruited three other guys to fill out a band soon they dropped the rhythm guitarist and stayed as a four-piece and formed what you would call the classic creed lineup of stap tremonti bassist brian marshall and drummer scott phillips Stapp says in the book that he wrote that they called the band Naked Toddler at first after a newspaper headline they saw one day. But the reaction that that got at some of their first bar gigs was pretty negative, so they soon changed it to Creed. Again, are you surprised that the name Naked Toddler didn't stick? Like a lot of bands, they played mostly covers at first, but had a couple of original songs that people really seemed to like. That includes the manager of a bar in Florida where they would play. He then became their manager. He hooked them up with a producer and they recorded their first album called My Own Prison for the grand sum of six thousand bucks. They released it themselves, but soon it hit the attention of a major label called Wind Up Records and they soon signed a contract in blood. No joke, according to Tremonti, because that's rock and roll, right? By the way, they did eventually sign another copy with some kind of regular pens. I don't know if the blood was binding or not. So anyway, the My Own Prison album became huge in 1997 and 1998. It had four hit songs that were all over radio at that time. My Own Prison, What's This Life For?, Torn, and One, reaching the top three on the rock charts with all of them. Although, I must make it clear, not everybody liked them. Nobody's universally loved, right? Lots of people thought they were just kind of a more melodic Pearl Jam ripoff. And here's a funny little aside. I do remember one on-air guy at a station I used to work for who played Creed on the air for the first time, having never heard them before. And he came out of the song and literally said into a microphone on the radio, that was crap. But most people didn't think so, and Creed began selling out arenas all over the country. But in 1999, Creed brought it to another level with the release of their second album, Human Clay. That one went to number one in the U.S., Canada, Norway, and New Zealand, and hit number two in Australia. It's kind of like Creed was Nickelback before Nickelback. I just made that up, but I think it's a pretty good comparison. Anyway, uh, that one, Human Clay, gave the world the two songs that would become signatures, or you might say anthems, not only on a rock radio, but also on pop radio and in the general American consciousness. Those songs were higher, as in,
2: can you take me higher?
0: Thank you. And with arms wide open. I'll spare you that one. They both hit the top 10 on the regular Hot 100 chart, and that means among all songs, not just the rock songs, and with Arms Wide Open went all the way to the number one spot in the country. And it was in the year 1999 that I caught up with Mark Tremonti and Scott Stapp backstage at a show that didn't go as badly as the one we discussed earlier. These guys were on top of the world, and I literally just dug this interview up out of my basement, and it hasn't been heard since but we can hear what the Creed guys were saying about their number one status and their rise to fame. No, I think uh, it's pretty cool seeing number one out there. uh, We've worked real hard for it. Uh, You know, we hoped, but uh, yeah, we
2: expected it. You don't wish for second place. You always want to be the best at what you do. We always wanted to be number one in everything we did. We wanted to be the best rock band in America, the biggest rock band in America, and, and it's happening right now, you know? And so at least at this point, we've fulfilled our dreams in every capacity. So it's a cool feeling. We tapped into a vein that, you know, that seems to be running through the United States and it was purely accidental.
0: That was Scott Stapp, who then went on to explain whether he thought that the band's spiritual lyrics were the key to tapping into that vein.
2: Maybe there is some kind of movement towards towards uh, people wanting to understand things of a spiritual nature and, and whether God is real. And, and if he is real, what, where does he fit into his life? And, and just asking questions about about things like that. I mean, we don't talk about it in all our songs. A couple songs a record, I think I touch on it. It's part of being a human being. You know, you think about about morality, you think about all kinds of things, and spirituality is just one of the aspects uh, that makes us all human beings. You know, obviously, that's connected with a lot of people uh, that are Creed fans. You know, we're hitting people on all levels. It's not just a one-dimensional band, and that makes us feel good, you know, because we all feel like we're important to the success of the band,
1: you know.
0: And speaking of Creed fans, Stapp also told me in that same interview that he had noticed with more success came more women at their shows. Hmm. See, this all isn't going to be deep.
2: When we first started out, it was guys with baseball caps on backwards going, Hell
0: yeah, Creed rocks.
2: And, still uh, happens, I think. and uh, well, it's it's more and more women are uh, are making their way to the first 20 rows deep uh, in the concert. And so kind of makes us perform better because... You know, we we always want to impress the ladies. So, so, uh, yeah, I mean, ladies are good, man. Women are a beautiful thing, and and God bless them all.
0: And at that same time with Tremonti and Stapp, we talked about the fact that with huge success comes huge pressure. And interestingly, in hindsight, they both said they'd be able to handle it. We function really well under
2: pressure. We'll definitely feel some sense of pressure. I mean, we're human beings. We're going to have to.
0: We've always had pressure, and we've always... You're kind of welcome to. You know, you got to have something to keep you writing songs. You know, if it's not uh, if it's not trying to get through life before you get a record deal, it's it's getting a record deal and trying to get through the business side of things in a record deal. You always have something to write about. The pressure of writing a third album and dealing with everything else is going to keep us on our toes, and uh, that's good. We don't ever want it to be too easy. I don't think that too easy thing ended up being an issue for Creed. Meanwhile. In the year 2000, cracks began to show whether they were pressure-related or otherwise. They dismissed their bassist Brian Marshall that year after he refused, according to reports, to heed the advice of Tremonti and Stapp and go to alcohol rehab. A little irony there, as we'll see soon. Marshall also made a lot of people mad, though, when he criticized Pearl Jam's Eddie Vedder in an interview, saying that Stapp was a better songwriter and that Pearl Jam's most recent albums were full of songs without hooks. So that is like taking a shot at the king of rock at that time, Eddie Vedder. You don't want to do that. Stapp had to come out and publicly disassociate Creed from those comments. Anyway, Creed got a new bassist and put out a third album in late 01 called Weathered, which debuted at number 1, stayed there for eight weeks, right through Christmas and New Year's heading into 02. You might remember its biggest hit called My Sacrifice. So it was with that backdrop that Creed played that Olympics closing ceremonies gig back in February of 2000 too but it wasn't long before it all started to come apart a couple months later Stapp was injured in a car accident and that was the point which some say he became addicted to painkillers you fast forward to the all-state arena debacle at the end of that year when Stapp appeared to be so under the influence of alcohol and or drugs that he could not even perform or most say couldn't even stand up Stapp has since said that he was definitely drunk that night, but he denies being as incoherent as everybody said he was. But either way, the band took a break after that, as tensions among members reached the breaking point. Stapp went to Hawaii to try to clean up. He and Tremonti stopped talking. And in mid-2004, Creed broke up after three albums and millions of sales, and it did not take long for all the members to move on. Tremonti and Phillips got back together with Brian Marshall, remember him, to form a band called Alter Bridge with a different singer. Stapp put out his first solo album called The Great Divide, which did decently well. It sold more than a million copies, yielded a single of the same name, got some radio love. You might remember that song from the mix, too. Stapp also went through a number of legal and personal problems during the next few years, including a reckless driving incident, a public intoxication arrest, a fight with members of the band 311. How 90s is that? A lawsuit in which he was able to stop the release of a sex tape allegedly involving himself with four women and Kid Rock. Oh, my God. Several suicide attempts. That's according to him and also a domestic violence arrest. Meanwhile, after a few more years apart, Creed reunited because everybody does eventually. They did that in 2009 with the original lineup for an album called Full Circle. Now, Creed fans were apparently excited about it since it went to number two, didn't really stick around that long, though, and didn't really have any major hit singles on it. So Creed did prove they were still a strong touring band in 2010 and 2011. And that was about a decade after their peak, but they still had it. But right after that, Creed went on hiatus once again, despite statements by Stapp in the ensuing years that they are still a band. Despite the fact, though, that they apparently worked on some new stuff for a fifth studio album, any new Creed music has not yet seen the light of day. They did put out a Walmart-exclusive retrospective in 2015, but they are apparently a dormant band. So I thought it was really interesting to go back and hear what Scott Stapp and Mark Tremonti had to say in that 1999 interview about when the fame would eventually end and how they wanted to be remembered when it did. But our day in the sun will one day end maybe 20 years from
2: now, but (laughs) (laughs) it could be tomorrow. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in this business. We're just going to enjoy it while we're here and try to do good things and be positive, you know, while we have this platform, try to use it to affect people in a positive way and and that's the best you can do in your life as soon as you think you're on the top you're gonna get yeah we'll fall i mean we'll be we'll fall eventually i mean we'll get kicked to the curb and and everyone will be ragging on whoa what a record creed made because they won't get it so i mean we're just going to enjoy our time at the top at the end of the day when you're 40 years old what kind of legacy are you leaving for people to remember you by are they are they remembering you by you know all the chicks that you on the road and all the drugs that you did and all the comments you made in the press about other bands and other people. No, they remember you by your music and the good things that you did in your life. And uh, that's how we want to be remembered.
0: And maybe that's worked out to some degree here as we sit going into the third decade of the 21st century. Mark Tremonti has continued to record and tour as a solo artist and with Alter Bridge in recent years, while Scott Stapp has put out two more solo albums in 2013 and 2019, neither of which got a whole ton of attention. Now, in 2019, fans could have caught Scott Stapp playing for free on a stage set up at the back of a baseball field at Rec Park in Arlington Heights as part of their annual 4th of July festival called Frontier Days. And unlike that old infamous Rosemont show, I was at this Frontier Days performance during which Scott belted out all the old Creed hits and didn't pass out or almost fall off the stage not even once. Instead, he performed very professionally, full-throatedly to an enthusiastic audience of longtime fans, And that does not include the kids on the Ferris wheel and the tilter whirl and the roller coasters who are most likely totally unaware that the songs that they were hearing in the background were being performed by a man who had been the leader of one of the biggest bands in the world just a couple of short decades before. And that is Whatever Happened to Creed on Whip's Whatever Happened to podcast. Be sure to check out every single episode. Also, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And I'll see you next time on Whip's Whatever Happened To.
1: Peloton, let's go. This holiday,
0: with the right music